We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, Justin Mello, fresh off of Super Wild Card Weekend. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Justin, how you doing? Yeah, we're going to we're going to browse over that just like you did on Twitter, according to Paul Kaharski. We're just going to skip that. And uh, and move on to a, a show about the Tennessee Titans. I'm doing well. Um, our last episode, we talked about some GM candidates. Uh, we said we went. Of course, we went over the firing of Todd Downing, and we said by our next episode, we might have more news on the GM candidates, more news on the offensive coordinator candidates. And thankfully, we were spot on because we got some really good news to discuss on both fronts. Yes, we have news. Not a ton. I mean, there's not really much movement, but we do have some more concrete details about guys that are in consideration. And I was hoping we might have a higher by now because, you know, it's been a whole week since the last time we talked, but we don't. So we'll just cover the guys that they've talked to, another guy they're planning to talk to. I'm more of a glass half full guy, I think, than you right now. Because while you're saying we don't have a ton to cover, we didn't know any offensive coordinator candidates last time we recorded. And now we have three. I think that's pretty sizable progress. And we got some more GM news to update. So uh, I think there's some good stuff to talk about here. Totally fair. But since you mentioned it already, why why don't we just address quickly my uh, dumb tweet from Saturday night? (laughs) You know, it was 27-0. Jags were trailing the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence was like four for 16 for 30 yards and four interceptions. Looked like it was just going to be a boat race blowout. So I fired off a little tweet that I thought Titans fans maybe would appreciate. I said, Titans were incredibly boring all year. No one wanted to see them in the playoffs over Jacksonville. But I promise you, Titans Chargers would have been a better game than this. I should have said it would have been a better half than this, I think, because... (laughs) As bad as the Titans were at times this year, they just played the Chargers and they played them pretty dang close a few weeks ago. It, it didn't look anything like what we saw from uh, Jacksonville in that first half. And even, you know, with Josh Dobbs instead of Ryan Tannehill, I think Josh Dobbs did a pretty good job taking care of the football. I don't think he would have thrown four first half interceptions. I don't think there would have been enough pass attempts for him to throw four first half interceptions <laughs> the way the Titans run things. But then Jacksonville made their incredible comeback, a really epic comeback. And, um, you know, Jags fans got a hold of my tweet and really have been giving it to me. I just want to point out, I owned the dumbness of this tweet almost immediately. As soon as the game ended, I quote tweeted myself with the gif, congratulations, you played yourself. Like, I screwed this up. I get it. Nobody cares about my follow-up tweet. They only care about the original <laughs> tweet. But I'm not a tweet deleter. It's out there. It lives on. Bad take. I learned my lesson. Don't tweet at halftime. <laughs> you know You know what? I fired off a couple of tweets myself. And I'm not as popular as you. No one came after me, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I got to live. I got to ignore it as if it never happened. I, I think I called it Georgia TCU Part Two or something like <laughs> that. And, then, and uh, it clearly was not that, as you pointed out. And no one came after me, and I was I was good and ready to move on. No no problems in my world. I got I got roasted pretty good on the Sunday night around the NFL podcast, but you know what? I take it all in stride. I learn from my mistakes, and we move on. Let's talk about the Titans, though, because, yes, they have completed now, I believe, six 
interviews with general manager candidates. They have one more scheduled, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe they've completed all seven because in the past week, they have interviewed 49ers Director of Player Personnel Rand Carthon, Browns Assistant General Manager Glenn Cook, Bears Assistant General Manager Ian Cunningham, Arizona Cardinals Vice President of Player Personnel Quentin Harris, who is also interviewing for the Cardinals General Manager job, and the two internal candidates that we've heard a lot about over the last few years, Monty Austinfort and Ryan Cowden. And then on Tuesday, they are scheduled to interview the Bills Director of Player Personnel Malik Boyd. We don't, we haven't heard anything about how these interviews went or how they didn't go. We do know that 49ers Assistant General Manager Adam Peters, who was maybe the most highly thought of of this group, depending on who you talk to, he declined the Titans' request to interview him, citing that he wanted to focus on his team's playoff run. I noticed that Rand Carthon, who works in the same organization, did not <laughs> decline such a request. So um, screw that. Knows? I'm yeah, trying to get could the be, job. Uh, 49ers fans think that there's a path for Adam Peters to be the 49ers general manager with sort of like a John Lynch promoted to uh, executive VP or whatever the heck of football. Whatever John Elway does in Denver, right? Like exactly. something along, along those lines. And Peters is credited with finding a lot of the 49ers like later round draft studs and, and just being a generally great person for their roster construction, considering that John Lynch was a football player more so than like a football scout for his career. And a lot of credit goes to Peters there amongst 49ers faithful. So not really a surprise if he has a chance to stay in San Francisco that he would take it. Um, but what do you make about this other bunch? I mean, we talked through this bunch last week. We don't have any front runners. We don't know if there's going to be a second round of interviews for any of these guys. And we don't know at this point if there will be any other candidates. But it seems like the Titans are set with th- this group of seven. Yeah, I, I think also on Peters, by the way, I believe he's a local to the area of San Francisco. He comes from the area. So it's not totally shocking that he would prefer um, to stay in San Francisco Seven interviews completed once the once the one with Malik Boyd gets done, as you said. I imagine they are going to have a second round of interviews. But what intrigues me is, will they interview the entire group a second time? Or will they narrow it down to maybe three or four finalists and interview just those gentlemen um, for a second time? I imagine that's what's going to happen. Don't forget, um, con- uh, controlling owner here, uh, Amy Adams-Strunk, when she talked about the GM uh, interview process uh, last Monday, I believe it was. She said that Mike Vrabel would be involved at some point. So it it indicated that Vrabel did not sit in on any of these first interviews. That's why I'm thinking they probably narrow it down maybe to three or four and then bring Vrabel in um, for for the second wave of interviews. And and then from there, probably make a decision, in all honesty, on, on who they're hiring. They'll probably have one or two front runners in their mind when they narrow it down, and they're probably hoping, fingers crossed, that Vrabel sort of sees it the same way, right? When he when he sits down with these candidates in a room with, I I suppose you know Miss Amy Adams Strunk and, and whoever else they have they have sitting uh, in on these interviews. So really interesting right. to see where it goes. I imagine they're going to want to have a GM in place by the time they they go to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. So that's coming up real quick. So it, it does indicate that this is about to move on. I think to a second set of interviews where Mike Vrabel will be involved and and they could hire someone uh, if I had to venture a guess here within the next 10 days or so. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if we if we're taping our next episode next week and the Titans have a new general manager that we can, yeah. you know, go through the background of and try to get some sort of idea of where this team is going to head direction-wise and I think what's important about the Mike Vrabel thing you mentioned there is a key word Amy Adams Strunk mentioned a lot in her uh, conversation about the 
general manager search is collaboration. She wants someone that's going to be willing to collaborate with everyone in the building. And we know the most successful NFL operations, there's a ton of collaboration between the head coach and general manager. We're just talking about San Francisco. They may be the most famous for having Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch working in tandem. Shanahan does a lot of help with the uh, personnel and scouting and picking out quarterbacks, for example. And obviously John Lynch does, you know, the general manager stuff there too. So Big on collaboration. They obviously want someone that they think can work well with Mike Vrabel. And like you said, they hope he'll see things the same way they do, but they'll probably, you know, inform their decision based on how Mike Vrabel and whichever candidates they're talking to are interacting. And do they have a similar vision for how to build this team? And so it'll be interesting. If you had to root for someone right now, is there anyone in particular that you would be hoping the Titans lean towards more than anyone else for any reason? It could be dumb. could be based on stuff you've read. Like what, is there anyone you think might be a better fit? Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. I, I think my two favorite candidates, and again, like you said, any of these guys could be terrific general managers or they could be awful general managers, right? Like it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I think that my two personal favorites, and I'm going to stick with, with something I, I did back in December. I think I mentioned on the last episode when I wrote an article on potential candidates, and I wasn't pulling those completely out of thin air, but I, I, I do feel fairly fortunate that I, I got two out of three of them right. I, I talked about Rand Carthon with the San Francisco 49ers, and I talked about Ian Cunningham with the Chicago Bears. I think those two kind of stuck out to me immediately. Certainly, you look at the way San Francisco has built their roster. It's almost astounding the amount of success they, they've been able to achieve without having a franchise quarterback in place, right? They played three quarterbacks this year in Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and now Brock Purdy, who was the last pick in the draft. And they just thumped the Seattle Seahawks on Super wild card weekend and they really do look like a team that's capable of winning the NFC and potentially the Super Bowl in all honesty and it's not just one year of success right they were in the NFC championship game last year with Jimmy Garoppolo they've been to a Super Bowl prior to that was Jimmy Garoppolo so I think it's really incredible the work they've done there and that had me sort of zeroing in on, on Rand Carthon personally and I feel similarly uh, about Ian Cunningham for different reasons we know the Bears were a terrible football team this year but I, I talked on the last episode about his history under, uh, I believe, Howie Roseman and Ozzie Newsom and some of the terrific work um, he's done and the way he's kind of climbed the ladder, uh, the, the ascension he's experienced uh, at such a young age. I think he's a very, seems to be a very impressive candidate to me as well. So if I had to pick two based on what I know, and that's not to sell the other short, like director of personnel with the Buffalo Bills. I know Josh Allen is Josh Allen, but they've built a pretty great roster there as well. So it's, it's obvious that Mr. Malik Boyd has done a terrific job in Buffalo too. But if I had to pick two, I think I'd go with Rand Carthon and Ian Cunningham. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I was going to say some of the same things about Rand Carthon. I think, you know, if you look at how the 49ers have built their team and what the Titans want to be, the Titans have had some key misses in the personnel department over the last couple of years, but I think you can see similarities pretty easily. It's more of a run-based attack that uses the, the passing game and the play-action game to sort of like build off of what they can accomplish in the run game with a lot of guys on the outside that are playmakers that are yak beasts like the Titans used to have when they had, you know, like John U. Smith and A.J. Brown and guys that could take a five-yard catch and turn it into a 74-yard touchdown like we saw Debo Samuel do against the Niner, against the Seahawks on Saturday. And, you know, the Titans have sort of 
put those pieces into place. They want to be strong in the trenches. You know, we've seen the Titans build up a pretty strong defensive front. The Niners have one of the strongest and deepest defensive fronts in the league. Where the Niners blow the Titans out of the water is on the offensive line, but the Titans have tried. They just swung and missed on a lot of pieces there. So I do think, you know, if you look at the whole idea of collaboration and what the model for success in the NFL is today, I think there's two ways to to build a team and be successful in the NFL right now. And and those two ways are being, you're seeing it play out in the playoffs all over the place right now. You can either have a very strong, complete team like the Niners do, like maybe you would say the Eagles do, um, or even the Jaguars have built something that has turned into or resembling a, a strong team on both sides of the ball with few weaknesses, or you have an elite quarterback that carries you and covers up your deficiencies. Like we see the chiefs and the bills and even the Bengals who have, you know, their, their offensive line is falling apart. They've lost three starters in the last three weeks and, but they have a Joe Burrow, you know, and the, the Titans, when you look at who they are and what they can become, finding that elite quarterback that can cover up all of your deficiencies Maybe the hardest thing to do in all of sports, in, in to be honest. Um, but when it comes to building a, a good team on both sides of the ball that plays hard, that is sound te- with their techniques, when you have a coach like Mike Vrabel in place, I think you can get there more easily. Um, so I think that that's kind of the path the Titans would be taking. And that leads me back to why I think, you know, I don't know anything about Rand Carthon and his role in building the 49ers organization, but I know that he's seen them put that beast together over the last few years. And I think that his experience could be very valuable, but at the end of the day, we'll, you know, we'll learn a lot more about who they choose and and decide if it was a good hire in five years from now. Right. (laughs) And and to build on what you said with some of the similarities, two things you, you, you glanced over obviously, and and Titans could be changing scheme, but the scheme is very similar, right? Of course, with what Kyle Shanahan runs and what the Titans have run over the last number of years. And secondly, uh, you talked about uh, wanting to build your team the same way. For the Titans with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, you're looking at an example of a team that has achieved all this success without the elite quarterback that you mentioned, right? So you look at how they've built it, and and you say, if we can build something similar here, if Ryan Tannehill is our guy, we can get to a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, just like they've done with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. So I think those things are all are, are all uh, good points to make, and there's a lot of similarities. Where, where you're where you were right, of course, is what they don't have is Trent Williams at left tackle, and they sure as shit don't have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon and Brandon Ayuk, right? Right, I know, and and but when you look at the pieces, you know, they're young players the Titans have. You could see Traylon Burks growing into a guy that could be a yak beast, who could be yeah. a, a somewhat go-to receiver. You could see Chiga Quanco growing into that kind of two-way tight end that blocks well, that ca- catches the ball well, and does a lot of stuff after the catch. So, as rookies under the leadership of Todd Downing as officer coordinator, maybe you didn't see as much as you would like, but I do think the some of the building blocks at least are in place, and you get a better offensive coordinator in there to scheme up some stuff. You know, I mean. One of the advantages the Niners have that we haven't talked about, in addition to having a good roster, is Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive mind and one of the brilliant. best play callers, if not the best play caller in the NFL. So the Titans are never going to have Kyle Shanahan, but we are going to talk about some offensive coordinators that they might have should we transition to that topic now. Absolutely. Three candidates, as I mentioned at the top of the show, finally revealed and uh, excited to kind of go through all three of them. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the guys we have heard now that they requested interviews with three separate offensive coordinators, two from the Chiefs, um, not current offensive coordinators, I should say, but Eric Bieniemy, I guess, is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs right now. Matt Nagy is a QB coach and offensive assistant, 
and Charles London, the quarterback coach of the Falcons, have all had interviews requested by the Titans. Now, Josina Anderson put out a tweet after this report came out, said that this was a, an old like this was not new news that this interest was established over a week ago, whatever that means. And she said, I'm told the enemy is focused on head coach opportunities and Nagy has yet to confirm Tennessee's request. So I don't really know what to make of her report on this front, but I think the important thing to take away is that the Titans are looking at what I would say are very good options at offensive coordinator. I don't know hardly anything about Charles London, but you would think he's familiar with the scheme they've been running for the past few years, working under Arthur Smith in Atlanta. We talked on the last episode about how the Titans might want to move away from that scheme. So not really sure how that fits into that theory, but the point is they have interview requests out with three guys who I think could be solid options. Yeah, I've got numerous thoughts on this. Number one, I speculated on our last episode that the Titans might be looking to get away from the current scheme, right? And and what sort of did I use to, to reference that is that they fired Keith Carter, the offensive right. line coach, right, a- along with Todd Downing. And I thought Carter and his unit were such a big component of the outside zone, the heavy play action, specifically the O-line, of course, right? That was the, the position he coached. But I speculated that. Then the first two requests come out, and they're Biennemi and Nagy, who don't run that scheme. They are not outside zone, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur guys, not at all, right? Andy Reid, West Coast spread style offense, that's what they're most well-versed in, right? Remember Nagy, he was under Reid for a long time. He was in Philadelphia with Andy Reid way back when. Then he followed him to Kansas City, and then he got his own head coaching opportunity with the Bears that I want to touch on a little bit. And then now he's back in Kansas City. So essentially all of Nagy's experience has been under Andy Reid. Right. And Eric Bieniemy has been under Andy Reid for a long time. Now, I'm very curious to see what these two guys think of this job, because Jocena's report with Bieniemy in particular, and I mean no disrespect to him whatsoever. But when I saw the Titans interest, look, it's technically a lateral move because he's already offensive coordinator in Kansas City. He'd be coming to Tennessee for the same job. That means Kansas City, I believe, also would have the right to decline that interview request, right? Because it is a lateral move. You're not promoting him unless you're going to give him like a associate head coach title, which I, I don't see the Titans doing in all honesty okay. under Mike Vrabel. This is Vrabel's show, uh, in my opinion. So, But where it gets interesting, and, and a lot of you have mentioned this on Twitter. You've probably seen me mention it on Twitter. The enemy doesn't call plays in Kansas City, at least not on a play-by-play basis, right? That responsibility is held by Andy Reid, and it will always be held by Andy Reid, right? Like Andy Reid's never going to give up play calling as, as long as he's there. We saw this a few years ago when Matt LaFleur was OC with the Rams. He took the Titans' job to come here and call plays. He did it for one year. Honestly, it was a bad year, right? It didn't look like he was very good at it. Titans fans didn't love him as the offensive coordinator, What happened, it still strengthened his overall resume as a coach, and he became a head coach just one year later with the Green Bay Packers. I would like to think Biennemi should view this opportunity as something similar. Like, this is a guy that's been passed over multiple times for head coaching jobs. He has had a lot of interviews over the last couple of years. He's been the offensive coordinator there for like five or six years. I think the sad reality is if he hasn't been hired yet to be a head coach, It's not going to happen for him, not as long as he stays comfortable in the OC role in Kansas City. This year, to my knowledge, he's only had one interview, and that's with the Indianapolis Colts. He's not considered a front runner there, and he's he's not even considered, I don't think, a top 10 candidate anywhere in, in terms of like this 
the head coaching cycle, right? You talk about the two coordinators in Philadelphia, Jonathan Gannon and, and, and Shane Steichen. You talk about Dan Quinn. You talk about Kellen Moore, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator with the Lions, uh, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator um, with the New York Giants. Uh, I'm probably forgetting a couple. Well, Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton are uh, potentially could land somewhere. So, uh, Ken Dorsey with the Buffalo Bills, Leslie Frazier, Jim Caldwell has had opportunity. So I don't see really any chance whatsoever that the enemy is getting a head coaching job this cycle. He's been passed over so many times. I think if he wants to keep fighting for his dream to become a head coach, he probably has to diversify his resume a little bit and maybe follow the Matt LaFleur plan and, and, and break away from the Andy Reid coaching tree and go somewhere where he can call his own offense. And if he is super successful doing that, then he's probably going to become a head ho- head coaching candidate once again. Yeah, and it depends on how quickly some of these processes move. You know, if the Colts hire someone else and Bannemi doesn't have another interview lined up, maybe he reconsiders based on Josina's report and and does come interview for the Titans. And I think you're totally right. If he comes here and, and proves himself and turns around what was one of the worst offenses and most boring offenses to watch in the NFL, the only team that didn't score 28 points or more in a single game, the Jags scored more points in the second half against the Chargers and the Titans have scored in a game this season. So... Um, yeah, I think if he does that and proves himself, maybe he will get another chance in the next cycle to go be a head coach somewhere. But it is, I mean, a strange situation for him. I feel for the guy, but, you know, maybe he's just not great in the interview room. Maybe Who knows what, what the holdup is. But, yeah, like you said, he's interviewed for so many positions over the last few years and never had that opportunity to be a head coach, always returns to the Chiefs. Um, let's talk a little bit about Nagy. Nagy was, you know, famous for his head coaching run with the Bears, where he flamed out after a few years, hired the same year Mike Vrabel was hired. He actually won coach of the year his first year with the Bears when they went, I think they went 12 and four and made the playoffs. And then since then, they fell off a cliff. They took Mitch Trubisky early in the draft. He never really developed into a, a above average starter. You saw him, you know, get benched for a rookie in Pittsburgh this past season. But Matt Nagy, the play caller, had a lot of success also with Kansas City. Um, and you mentioned, you know, how he's been with Andy Reid for so long. I think that, you know, if you bring in Matt Nagy and have that Mike Vrabel oversight, there's a chance that that could be a really successful offense. And a lot of that Nagy success, correct me if I'm wrong, was pre-Patrick Mahomes, right? So I think that speaks highly to uh, to him as a play caller. Titans fans weren't excited to see Nagy's name mentioned. And look, I think this is a product of a couple things. First of all, his national reputation is bad because all you know about is Chicago Bears fans hated him. They did not right. like him. That's just a fact. But when you go look back at that tenor, and I'm not making excuses for him, but that's one of the most passionate fan bases in sports, right? When the Chicago Bears hate something, you're going to know about it. It's just like <laughs> if the New York Jets or the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Green Bay Packers, if they hate something, you're going to know it, right? And that kind of takes over the narrative, unfortunately, for that person. And you're, he had that, you know, you can say it was a product of that one year. He had a lot of success. You go back and look at the record. He was like 34 and 31 in the regular season. I think Matt Nagy, 34 and 33 overall. Not so bad, in my opinion, for a guy that was uh, saddled with uh, Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, right? Like, and in, in, in all honesty, you could go a step further and say, not not so bad. It's pretty damn good, right? Like to finish above 500 when Mitch Trubisky is your quarterback. I've got a dear friend in this industry who once told me, we used to talk about the Bears a lot throughout that tenor and said, and, and this gentleman um, that I'm referring to knew Matt Nagy well, was a huge fan of his and said, 
He's not the one that's culpable, man. It's the GM over there, Ryan Pace. And I do think Ryan Pace did a terrible job, the general manager of the Bears. So I don't know if that's true or not in terms of who is more culpable, but I can see a path where, you know, the roster was largely bad under Pace. And and, and Nagy, again, above 500. So I I think he would be a a good offensive coordinator. I, I, I think they should be open to the idea. I'd be curious to, you know, Josina mentioned in a report that he hadn't yet responded or confirmed the request or whatever. If Eric Bieniemy staying there as OC, you're not going to get the OC job from him. And again, it would take Bieniemy leaving. You're a quarterback coach right now. You would think he'd have interest in climbing the coaching ladder again, right? And would potentially be interested in being an offensive coordinator. Um, I'm going to transition to the third and final candidate we know about because as I, you know, I tweeted, I talked about, I wrote about this interest in Bieniemy and Nagy. So many Titans fans jumped in my mentions and said how refreshing it was that Mike Vrabel was thinking outside the box and he wasn't talking to someone he worked with at Ohio State or New England or, what, or of course, Houston. Just when you thought that was the case, the Titans submit a request to interview Charles London, uh, largely an unknown, uh, if you're a Titans fan, of course. You dive into the history of Charles London and it became very easy, quickly, to dot connect here. He was actually on the Titans staff in 2011, which I found pretty interesting. He was an offensive assistant under uh, Mike Munchak. Of course, Vrabel was not here, but Arthur Smith was already here, right? That was one of Arthur Smith's first years as a low-level offensive assistant. So obviously, Arthur Smith liked Charles London. We'll get to that. That was the one year Charles London spent on the Titans staff, 2011. He ends up working with Mike Vrabel for four years in Houston. Here's your Texans connection that Mike Vrabel always lays out for you, right? The Shane Bowens, the Anthony Midgets, uh, Bobby King, inside linebacker coach right now. You name it. They've got a ton of Texans on staff. Charles London was in Houston for four years with Mike Vrabel. He was the running backs coach in Houston for all four of Vrabel's years. Vrabel started as the linebackers coach. Then he became the defensive coordinator. And funny enough, as he departed uh, uh, Houston, He eventually joins Arthur Smith's staff in Atlanta. So Arthur Smith, uh, as he became the head coach uh, with the Falcons, reached into his bag, had that existing relationship with London from way back in 2011, hired him as his quarterbacks coach, which is interesting to me, by the way, because London has spent the majority of his career as a running backs coach, the title that he held in Houston. He actually played running back at the University of Duke. So this is a running back guy through and through, now coaching quarterbacks in Atlanta, Um, I don't think there's a whole lot you can take away from that. You know, Desmond Ritter showed some growth towards the end there. I thought he played better in the last couple games, uh, certainly better than his first few starts. But this is a guy that's coached both uh, quarterbacks and running backs. So that's interesting. He's got a diverse background. Obviously, Mike Vrabel knows him well, spent four years together in Houston. I do think it, it, it speaks to the person he is that Arthur Smith immediately leaned on him when he got the job in Atlanta, reached all the way back into 2011 when they spent time together on the Titans staff, called him and made him his quarterbacks coach in Atlanta again, not running backs coach. Um, Of course, a lot of people jumped in my mentions and said, typical Rabel reaching into someone he knows. What I will say, I'd be hesitant to say that Charles London would run the same scheme that Tennessee is running now because he worked under Arthur Smith this year. The only reason I say that is he's well-versed in a lot of schemes, right? When he worked in Tennessee in 2011, Chris Palmer was the offensive coordinator. They were run, They were not running this, you know, again, this play-action-heavy wide zone offense. When he worked in Houston, 
That's not what Bill O'Brien did either. And he was there for four years on Bill O'Brien's staff, right? Bill O'Brien has his own offense. It was not the Titans' offense. Now he's in Atlanta. Yes, now he is well-versed in the Titans' offense, Arthur Smith's scheme that Tennessee's still running. But this is a guy that's been exposed to a lot of systems offensively. You don't know what his preferred system is. I don't know what his preferred. He could come here and run the Titans offense right now. You could be right. Or he could come here and run the Bill O'Brien offense because that's what he was partial to. And he spent four years uh, doing that in Houston, right, with Bill O'Brien. So I don't know what his preferred scheme is. I will admit um, I wasn't crazy about it when I heard. I, I think you'd maybe prefer someone that's already been an offensive coordinator. He has never been that. Just a few years of experience uh, now as a position, a positions coach, excuse me. Now, look, uh, it goes back to what I said earlier about general managers. Arthur Smith was never an offensive coordinator. We didn't know if he was going to be good, great, terrible. On the flip side of that, Todd Downing was an offensive coordinator, and he was not very good, right? So you, you don't know if Charles, not, Charles London's going to be good or bad based on his experience or lack of experience. Um, but it was a candidate that I did not see coming. Perhaps if I had spent some time on Wikipedia, which I sometimes do, combing through years of coaching staffs, it would have been easy to make that connection because of Rabel and Arth Smith. But certainly this is not one that uh, I think Titans fans saw coming. Yeah, same. And and if you look back at Charles London's uh, experience again, it also overlaps in Houston with Tim Kelly. Charles London got to Houston as the running backs coach in 2014. Tim Kelly started in Houston as an offensive quality control coach in 2014. He uh, moved into offensive line coach in 2016 and was the tight ends coach in 2017. Charles London was there as the running backs coach from 2014 through 2017. So assuming Tim Kelly is being kept on staff, which we haven't heard any change that he, he would, wouldn't be, so we would have to assume that he is right now, you would think that there is familiarity with them as well, and maybe that's a reason that London is also being considered. There's one other candidate that there hasn't been any connection made to the Titans quite yet, but Jeremy Fowler tweeted this morning, Monday morning, one college coach I'm hearing has garnered NFL offensive coordinator interest from teams this cycle. Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monken has had a successful run with the national champion Bulldogs and is also former OC of Bucks and Browns. This is a name Titans fans might be familiar with because when uh, Matt LaFleur left to become the Green Bay Packers head coach, Monken was floated around Titans Twitter and, and the media sites that cover the team as a very good option for a potential offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know if there was ever any actual interest connecting the two team, the team with Monken, but we know that he was a, a hot candidate back in, what was that, 20, uh, 2019. So perhaps, you know, he's a guy the Titans will look to. Jeremy Fowler in this tweet didn't mention any specific team that has interest in Monken. He just said interest from teams this cycle. I would have to assume that the Titans are one of those teams interested in Monken. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't totally shock me. And I, I, I you know, I don't have a ton on this. I, I will say I think Todd Munkin is a good offensive mind. He's been an offensive coordinator in the league. He's obviously experienced a resounding amount of success uh, at the University of Georgia, now back-to-back national championships. And I will say, uh, without an elite number one overall pick quarterback, right? Like, say what you will about the talent on Georgia, absolutely most talented program in the nation, no doubt about it. But I think Stetson Bennett is a round four or, or fifth round quarterback, a great college quarterback, not one I see making a, a particularly great transition to the pros. But I do think Todd Munkin would be a good candidate. Hard to take from that report because there are so many teams with potential OC openings, right? You've got the Rams and the Jets who have two very clear ones right now. You've got the Commanders who have one. Then you've got teams like 
like the Colts, the Broncos, the Panthers, who, who theoretically have one. They're going through the process of interviewing coaches. So I think there, we, you and I tallied up the Arizona Cardinals are another one. There are like nine or ten offensive coordinator openings right now, assuming you know, the guys in Indianapolis, Denver, they don't keep their jobs, uh, which they probably won't in all honesty, right, as we go through this process. So a lot of openings at OC. It's tough to gauge whether the Titans would be one of those teams interested in Munkin until we hear something. Yeah, I, I agree. So we'll see if any interest comes out and what other candidates emerge for the Titans. Before we finish up with our last story here, let's hit our beef of the week presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden, the best burgers, the best brats, the best brews in Nashville. And they present our beef of the week. You said you had a good one. So let me know what you got. Yeah, this one for me, I'm digging deep in my bag and it's straight. Per- not, I don't want to say personal, but it is my personal choice here. It's with Adam Peters. We talked about it earlier. I didn't say it for declining the Titans request. I'm beefed about this because he was my favorite candidate initially, in all honesty. When I saw all the prospective candidates, he jumped out at me immediately. We talked about how he's got a lot of credit from the 49ers fan base for building this roster, maybe being more hands-on with roster construction than John Lynch's. I had already handpicked Adam Peters in my mind to be the Titans' next general manager. I was pretty stunned to hear he had declined the request. You don't typically expect to hear those things, although GM candidates, I think, can be a little more choosy than coaching candidates. I think they don't have to quite strike when the iron is hot. Their reputation tends to stay strong for a bit longer than coaching candidates do. But that's my beef of the week. It's with Adam Peters. I'm totally beefed that he declined the request, won't even interview with Tennessee. In my mind, I was already saying general manager the Tennessee Titans, Adam Peters. That's not happening. And for that, he earns my beef of the week. I fully support this beef. Like, even if you know you're not going to leave this same, I don't know, like take the interview, come over, give us some ideas that we can steal from you. You know, like just get, like do the interview process, like help, help us out, help out the struggling Titans who need all the uh, help they can get right now. Now oh, I'm, I'm just breaking teasing, news. But... Oh, the, t- the Arizona Cardinals have a new general manager and it's Tennessee Titans, Monty Ossenfort is the new GM in Arizona. This is literally, this just broke right now uh, as we're recording. Uh, It's funny, earlier when you mentioned Monty Ossenfort, I was going to mention that he had interviewed in Arizona. Um, That's, wow, that's huge news. I mean, I don't think the Titans were going to hire Ossenfort in all honesty. But uh, this is this is big news. Good for him. I, I've got some thoughts, but I'll kick it back over to you. Wow, we've never had news break during a taping before, and I kind of like this. Like this is a fun vibe here. We get to react in real time to Austin Fort going to Arizona. I don't know what thoughts are there even to have. I have no idea what Austin Fort does for the Titans. Um, clearly, he stood out to the Cardinals as a as a candidate. I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I never really thought the Titans would go with Austin Fort. I don't think that, I don't think get the sense they're going to go with an internal candidate at all. So I was thinking Austin Fort and Cowden would both probably be passed over in Nashville, but apparently he impressed people in Arizona. And then that would uh, presumably leave Quentin Harris with only one general manager option. He will, you know, be hoping that the Titans look to him because he's not going to get the Arizona job clearly. Yeah. And I I thought all indications early were that Quentin Harris was going to get the Arizona job, right? I think the early reports coming out of Arizona was that they were going to promote from within um, obviously Austin Fort really blew them away here. This changes everything in Arizona that they talked about maybe promoting Vance Joseph, uh, the, to, to, to head coach. And look, that could still happen, but you'd like to think Austin Fort would like to have a say in that. 
the only thing I'll really say here is uh, I agree with you that I don't think the Titans were going to hire Austin Ford. I, I never got the impression they were going to hire from within. Um, I'm just going to say good for Monty Austin Ford because he's been in Tennessee yeah. for a while. He came up with John Robinson in New England with the Patriots, by the way, which makes me wonder if Arizona could be a landing spot for John Robinson now as maybe an assistant general manager or a player personnel role. He has good friends with John Robinson. They came up together in New England. Austin Ford has worked his ass off. He's been in this league for like 20, 25 years. Um, he's been passed over for multiple GM openings. He has interviewed for a lot of GM jobs. My brain's a little scrambled here, but I know for a fact I have written stories on Austin Ford on at least three different interviews. I think the Minnesota Vikings may have been at one point, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New York Giants, all those things come say- to mind. Yeah, I was going to say Giants. I'm pretty sure he interviewed there. Yeah, so he's interviewed for multiple GM jobs over the last couple of years. He's been passed over a few times. I'm really happy for Monty Austin Fort because uh, he deserves this. He's worked really hard. I'm confident Tennessee didn't necessarily miss out on their preferred candidate here, especially when, keep in mind, when they fired J-Rob, they went to Ryan Cowden, right, to be interim, uh, really, as opposed to Austin Fort. So, But I'm really happy for Austin Fort. He deserves this opportunity. He's inheriting with a think many would agree is a franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. They've got like the number five or six pick in the draft. Uh, so that's great draft capital. Uh, 2023 might be rough because we don't know what Murray's you know ACL status is. But I think this is a, a good job to potentially uh, experience some immediate success. If not in 2023, you could you could turn this thing right back on its head in 2024 and compete for an NFC West title. So good for Monty Austin for it. That's terrific news. And how about this? The Cardinals have uh, put it out there that they would like to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Now the Titans have an inside man. Good point. <laughs> Austin Fort knows the Titans have a need at receiver. He obviously knows Mike Vrabel and everyone in the Titans building. So perhaps a communication line will be established there. Get Hopkins to the Titans. That's a really good point. Very interesting as they prepare to trade uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins this side. It seems like a foregone conclusion, right, that that's going to happen. Coming and they from just ownership, out. so it's not like Austin Fort can get there and be like, you know, I think we should actually keep this guy. He's a good receiver. It's like the ownership says we're getting rid of him, so they're getting rid of him. Yeah, and they just put out a tweet that says uh, Austin Fort will collaborate with the owner on hiring the next coach. So Austin Fort now gets to to uh, to lead his own search there at, at head coach. And again, I'm, I'm stoked for him. Definitely a good guy that uh, deserves this opportunity. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to now our last story here. This is pure speculation out there, but you can't. Uh, I'm just going to play a little video. It's half of something that Ian Rappaport tweeted on, what was it, Monday morning? Uh, Listen to this, Titans fans, and we will briefly discuss before we say goodbye. Tom Brady is a free agent after this season, going to be 46 years old. And yeah, there is, I would say, a chance that he does not return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, despite the fact that they very much want him back and plan to make efforts toward that. Among the teams that would consider Brady, a couple of them considered Brady last time. The Tennessee Titans still have some quarterback questions there. The 49ers, if they do not decide to roll with Brock Purdy, although he's certainly stating his case, and then the Las Vegas Raiders, who have several of his old friends, including Rich, Josh McDaniels. So to me, I think you'd have to put the Bucks as the front runner to get Brady back. If he doesn't go to Tampa Bay, I would think the Raiders would be the front runner. I don't know that Tennessee really has interest in this. But Rap Sheet said not only do the Titans have interest now, they had interest two years ago when he went to Tampa Bay. Obviously, the connection with Mike Vrabel is well known, so people are going to speculate on it. But I would put the Titans third on the most likely teams list here. Um, 
And obviously it depends on what happens with Ryan Tannehill and his contract and if the Titans can trade him versus having to cut him because, yes, the Titans will save a ton of money if they cut Ryan Tannehill, but there is still a dead cap hit, which then you'd have to pay that on the 2023 books. And if you sign Tom Brady to a deal, you're paying his salary on the 2023 books. So your total quarterback hit is pretty substantial. If you, however, can trade Ryan Tannehill to somebody that wants a quarterback, Jets or whoever, then perhaps you uh, make this work out a little better money-wise. But I don't know. I guess from like a fan standpoint, the Titans don't have like another option at quarterback. They don't have like a young guy to let that you want to like the Niners have Brock Purdy. He's been playing well. I can't see the the Niners trying to get Tom Brady and just telling Purdy to like sit on the shelf for a year or two while, while they try to do it with Brady for the Titans. Like maybe Brady at 46 years old, completely craters and is no longer a capable NFL quarterback, or maybe he continues playing at one of the highest levels we've ever seen. It'd be pretty fun, at least, to go through the ride as a Titans fan. I'd be down if the Titans wanted to get Tom Brady, but I don't. I just don't really think it's going to happen. I do think this report is, is is at least mildly interesting, if not fairly interesting, for a few reasons. I don't think there's a chance in hell Tom Brady's going back to Tampa Bay. Like Ian Rappaport kind of lays it out in that video where he says the Bucks will will make an effort, but as bad as things have gone this year, in all honesty, for them, and I know they're in the playoffs, and things could still change if they start rounding off a couple playoff wins and. We'll see what happens. But I've got the impression all year that Tom Brady's not interested in returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It has just not gone well for them this year. The transition from uh, uh, Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles, there are a lot of questions there. Byron Leftwich, an offensive coordinator. So I, I think Tampa Bay is almost out of the running altogether. That would leave three teams. It's the, the Las Vegas Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Tennessee Titans, based on what Ian Rappaport said. And that is interesting, because anytime you're in the top three for something, that means you're legitimately in the running for it. He did not mention the Miami Dolphins, who had kind of been linked to Brady a few weeks ago, but now they've come out and said they plan on committing to, to Tua for the 2023 season. So if Ian Rappaport is right, that's three teams. I do ultimately agree that I would rank the Titans third. Firstly, of course, there's the familiarity with uh, Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas and, and even Dave Ziegler, the general manager. So you'd have to think Tom Brady may have some interest there. It depends on, on the note his relationship ended with Josh McDaniels, right? When he left New England, how did they leave that? We, the, we know there were some things there leaving New England, probably more specifically with Bill Belichick that didn't end too well with Brady in the organization. Did that impact the relationship with Josh McDaniels or not? That could play a role, right, on how he views Las Vegas. With San Francisco, he's from the area, right? And they also have uh, the best roster by far, as we've discussed on this episode. So if they are interested in, in moving on from Trey Lance, if they're not convinced Brock Purdy's the guy, keep in mind, Brock Purdy's on a four-year rookie contract. You want to bring in Tom Brady for a year? Probably not the end of the world if you have uh, Purdy as your number two. I don't think he would feel that slighted. To me, that's more of a Tom Brady-Trey Lance decision than anything. If I was Brady, San Francisco would certainly top my wish list, right, based on that roster. And from and from their point of view, the 49ers' point of view, it probably depends what happens the rest of the way in the postseason. If Brock Purdy goes down the stretch and wins them a Super Bowl, then I feel pretty confident saying Brock Purdy's a starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers in 2023. If he doesn't, he plays poorly in a game. They lose because of him. They feel it's a shortcoming at quarterback that prevents them from reaching their uh, aspirations, uh, their Lombardi aspirations then yeah, they may consider going after a guy like Tom Brady. I'm not so sure they're going to experience a heartbreak and then turn it over to Trey Lance and, and how much confidence they have in him based on the way the first uh, two years of his career have gone. So 
but then you got to consider the relationship with Mike Vrabel in Tennessee between Tom Brady, right? They're very good friends, as we all know. If the Titans are interested in moving on from Tannehill and they want to go down the veteran quarterback route, I don't think they would go the Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo route. I think they would hold on to Tannehill as opposed to going after one of those two guys. Uh, it almost exclusively becomes Tom Brady, right? If that's their choice. If it's a vet QB, that's not Ryan Tannehill. So it's a, it's a, at least a mildly interesting report. I don't think Ian Rappaport would throw something out there like this if he hadn't heard something about it. I don't think he's the type to just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And the fact that the Titans are essentially in the top three, because again, I'm very confident Brady won't be a buck next year. Uh, you, you've got to take that as an interesting report, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it's just another crazy element of this offseason to track for the Titans it's gonna be like I said on the last show it's gonna be a, a very different looking team in 2023 than what we saw for the 2022 season from general manager to offensive coordinator and maybe all the way down to the quarterback position we will keep you guys posted on anything that happens with all of the Titans uh, hires players acquisitions trades draft picks we're going to get into everything over the coming weeks but that is it for today's episode thank you all for listening to the music city audible thanks to the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden and shout out to 440 sports who have just added the paul kuharski podcast to our podcast network so we're excited to welcome that show into the fold check it out 440 sports paul kuharski and make sure you're tuning into broadwaysportsmedia.com where you could become a broadway insider yeah, become a Broadway Insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just $0.99 cents, or use the code ANNUAL uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway Insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the table. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway Insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F-Words Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. We'll be back again next week. Hopefully we have updates on the general manager, on the offensive coordinator front, and any other rumors and news that may happen between now and then. So until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.